0: I went out to the outreach conference last May, and Manny had just raised a $65 million Series D at a $515 million valuation. And I said to him, congrats on the round. What keeps you up at night? And he said, marketing. I said, oh, we know something. We can marry the best-in-class sales technology with um, the leading sales B2B sales media company.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Confessions of a B2B Marketer podcast and today we're going to be speaking with Max Altshuler who is the person that created Sales Hacker from scratch and then sold it to Outreach in 2018. So we're going to be understanding how he did that, how they grew that content site to a size where they could get acquired by a large SaaS company. I'm then going to be sharing more about what we're doing with SaaS Marketer. How big is it right now? What's working and how does it fit strategically into this whole thing? But before that, we need to hear from our first and best sponsor who's Document 360's CEO, Saravan Akumar, with his answer to the question, what is the single most important thing you guys have done to help grow the business?
2: One of the most important thing we have done with Document 360 is investing in the SEO right from the beginning. So due to our experience building products for a very long time, we clearly understand the importance of SEO and we understand it's going to take some time and it's a long term customer acquisition channel. So we actually built Document 360 like a company-wide hackathon back in December 2017. We pulled our entire team of thirty-five engineers for two weeks, and we did the initial MVP. And once we were convinced, okay, this product is going to be one of the great products in this in this space, we assembled the team in January twenty eighteen to kickstart the project. We also kickstarted the content immediately. Our first blog on this uh, on, on Document three sixty was written back in December twenty nineteen. That's even before we actually started the, uh, the product development. And since uh, the beginning, like it's nearly 20-28 months now since we started the uh, product, we have written over 200 articles uh, uh, covering various topics around uh, documentation, knowledge base, uh, uh, knowledge management, uh, customer support, etc. And today, I will say nearly 30 to 40% of our uh, free trials come via the uh, organic SEO channel. As I say, this is one of the the key uh, growth levers we have taken advantage uh, right from the beginning.
1: Thank you very much, Saravana. Now, I cannot recommend enough. If you are looking to house all the documentation for your SaaS somewhere that's SEO optimized, and really easy to use. I cannot recommend going to document360.io and claiming a 14-day free trial enough. So simply Google Document360, jump to the homepage and then claim that 14-day free trial, just so you can check out the software. Now, we're going to be bringing in Max as mentioned and I'm actually in SEMrush right now and I'm looking at sales hackers Organic traffic stats, and it's just an absolutely beautiful graph. I'll explain it to you. So there's, you can't actually see it in the graph because what has come after it is so big. But the first organic traffic started hitting Sales Hacker in June of 2014. There was two organic visits there, but then there not that much happened up through Jan 15, Jan 16, and then we get to Jan 17, and we're at about 6,000 organic sessions, and then it just grows really really nicely all the way up to the end of 2019 but they're currently on about 50,000 organic sessions per month and the traffic cost of that is over $200,000 and so it's just a, a real dreamy organic traffic growth. I know that well over 100,000 email subscribers as well so it's a really really interesting case study. And so I want to welcome Max. Max is the person who started Sales Hacker initially and then grew that from in 2014 all the way up to selling the business to Outreach in 2018. So we're bringing on Max here to understand obviously how they managed to grow Sales Hacker like that. Then also to understand more about Outreach's strategy because they have acquired Sales Hacker but they've kept it almost completely independent. Um, They're obviously taking the revenue stream and reinvesting that into Outreach Marketing. But they haven't plastered Outreach's brand over it like you may expect, and so that's what we'll be discussing with Max. Max, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, so, can we can we go back right to the start, right? Right, the the inception of the Sales Hacker brand. Why you did that, and wh- why you thought that was a good thing to do?
0: Yeah. So it started when I was an early employee at a company called Udemy, an online education marketplace. Um, so I was tasked with building the. Um, instructor side of the marketplace and the sales side of the marketplace from scratch, and um, we didn't have much process in place. So, you know, I started reading some books on sales, uh, started getting my hands dirty, but really thought about it as if, you know, what would I do if I built this um, kind of without going by the book? Like, what would a new modern process look like? So it was really tech enabled. We were one of the first customers of an early sales engagement platform. Um, called Tout App. Um, they didn't do any sequences or anything like that, but they allowed you to do templated emails. I leveraged virtual assistants in the Philippines to be my SDRs. Um, we were building a lot of our own data, databases and data sources, um, leveraging those virtual assistants in the Philippines, and really just hacking sales. Um, because the growth uh, rate at Udemy was so rapid, um, other founders and VCs were coming to us to ask us how we were growing so quickly, and our founders would basically point people in my direction. So we started a um, small invite-only meetup that was originally four people. Um, grew very slowly on purpose to twenty people. We said only bring people who add value to the conversation, who are going to come with their own kind of um, you know sneaky tricks, tactics, you know hacks, strategies, whatever it is. Because in startups you have to be scrappy. You have to figure out how to do more with less. And that was the original mantra for sales hacking was. How do you get more juice out of less resources? We don't have what the big boys have. Um, so, you know, how do we, how do we make it happen? How do we grow quickly? And uh, so that turned into, those meetups turned into a conference that we did. Um, I went from Udemy to a company called Attorney Fee, left Attorney Fee and didn't really know what I wanted to do next, um, but knew that the the group uh, was getting really interesting. So turned that into a conference. Um, which was pro- like wildly profitable, took not a lot of time to pull off, and it was at that point I was like, okay, let's uh, let's see where this goes. Let's keep building on it and see what it uh, what it can become. And at any time, I can go get a VP Sales job somewhere in an early stage company, or you know, raise money and go start something myself. Um, well, let's just you know see what kind of doors open, and uh, you know, just kept going. And as we went, um, new possibilities, uh, arose. We did, um, we went from the conference to multiple conferences, to a publication, to webinars, to meetups. We turned off the meetups. Um, you know, we've kind of like, uh, trial and errored a lot of different things. And there were other ideas for, you know, things that we didn't do that we could have like our own consulting and training and recruiting. And, um, uh, let's see, raising a fund was another op- uh, option there. So, uh, just kind of navigating based on what doors open and uh, what the best possibilities look like. So um, around this time last year, um, we did the acquisition uh, to Outreach. We were at 80,000 subscribers. Over the course of Sales Hacker, I'd always kept a spreadsheet of potential requires and what my relationship strength was and who my relationship internally was with. Um, those companies ranged from uh, a category that was SaaS companies, software companies, a category that was research and advisory firms, and a category that was, you know, training, uh, you know, consultancies. Um, and SAS gives you the most upside, uh, but there are a lot of other other companies that can pay you, you know, in cash. Um, so it's just kind of what we wanted to optimize for. So just um, before we jump into the, yeah. the moving over, I have a few questions from, from the whole thing. Um,
1: first one was, at Udemy, were you selling to businesses who were going to buy like a corporate subscription
0: for their staff? Was that who you were selling to? No. So I was trying to get people to teach courses. So oh, cool. I would sell to individual instructors that maybe had written books and tell them to come on and, and turn their book into an online course. Got it. And I was selling to large publishers and universities to get their courseware onto udemy so the the big b2b sale were the publishers and the and the universities and the those were you know six to twelve month cycles um so that would be like the pearson and the o'reilly and the wiley's of the world i got all three of those i think our first university was university of cincinnati to put up a paid course so really just you know uh, changing how people do things got it
1: and then the second point i wanted to bring you up on was you're saying that as you a growing sales hacker, there were multiple different things you could have done. There were things you started and you stopped. What was your decision criteria for choosing not to do consulting or choosing to stop the meetups?
0: Uh, yeah, how much money it could make both in the long and short term. So in the short term, how much money can it make to fuel other operations of the business? In the long term, what was the upside on it? And then what was the effort needed to get it going? And then um, also quality control. So the the meetups um, were great, but I didn't have enough oversight into them. And so like there would be times where some of the meetups weren't on par with the brand um, because either we didn't have like probably a good host, a good enough host, um, or it wasn't, it just wasn't structured the way it needed to be structured. I probably needed a full-time hire that focused solely on, on building a structure for that and, it was just never, it was never worth it, and it was not that profitable. And then the biggest point of frustration was when tax season came around; you had to pay taxes in all these different cities or all these different states that you ran them in. And at that point, I was just like, okay, the, the, this is not really worth it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when I sold the company to Outreach, uh, I was looking at a couple of the other options that were there, so you know, a fund, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and um, You know, it's just, do you want to sign up for another two or three years of uncertainty? It's like a startup within a startup. So just, you know, I don't know. I think if I didn't have any options on the table, it's like, okay, you got to take that risk. You got to take that chance. Um, But I don't you know, I'm signing up for two more years of of risk, but not as much. And my upside, I think, is much greater if you pick the right company to sell to, then, you know. Trying to figure something new out um, that you've never done before in a business. And you also can potentially cannibalize it without getting anything out of it. Yeah. it? Um, and then one more question before we move on to the acquisition. I'm
1: looking at FEM, FEM Rush in front of me, and it's telling me that the, the approximate va- value of your organic traffic is around $200,000 per month. Um, do you have any insight as to like how you build that up over time? Because I see it was a, very, a steady rise over the past, really, two like almost three years to get yeah. up to that point. Is the key just consistent, great content?
0: Yeah. So all of our content is pretty much crowdsourced, so it's consistent, great content. Um, you know, the sales hacker kind of differentiator is that all of our content is practitioner-led. So you know, you can go read about. A bunch of stuff in books and textbooks or whatever else. But we're a resource that allows, um, you know, VPs of sales, sales ops, sales development, whatever the role is, people that are doing the job right now in companies to come on and talk about kind of what they're doing, share it with the world. And, you know, you have three options really to post content if you're a VP of sales of a, you know, 250 person business intelligence, you know, startup. You can go um, post it on your LinkedIn, you know, get two hundred views. You can go post it on your company blog, but they're not going to post sales content on a BI, you know, uh, company blog. Um, you can post it on your personal blog and get like ten views, Or you can get, put it on Sales Hacker and we'll get you ten thousand views. And you know, if you're hiring or if you're looking for you know a new job down the line, and you want to build your brand, mm-hmm. um, or a million other reasons, like that's a much better move to get that kind of ability. And it helps more people. It gives you access to helping more people. So, um, I, I I totally understand that. But yeah.
1: three years ago, that wasn't necessarily the case. Well, yes, you probably had more traffic than their personal blog.
0: Yeah, so I wouldn't. I couldn't say ten thousand, but I could say you know five hundred. I could say a thousand. Like the story was always the same, and we had some credibility because we did larger conferences. So you know, people wanted to be inclu- like involved in the thing that. The CRO from HubSpot was speaking on, et cetera, et cetera. Like it was a credibility builder to be able to publish on Sales Hacker and be part of that community. So it 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 just kind of snowballed and built over time. And then we hired Gaetano Denardi and two years ago, um, I don't know, two two and a half years ago, and that was the first time we paid attention to SEO, and he was an SEO whiz and um, really liked our subject matter, but uh, you know, has, was fairly new to it. He worked a little bit of pipe drive, so he knew the sales space. But um, he came in and, and you know, that was one of the best moves we made at a company is, is bringing somebody in who has SEO experience to a publication and realizing that the only thing that... The revenue would come if we focused on growth first. And... That's what mattered. So I think a lot of people are short-sighted and they're like, how am I going to get the most juice out of this, what I have? And it's like, don't worry about that. Just try and get it up to 100,000 subscribers and then you know you can start figuring it out. And really, I think our magic number was like 30,000. Um, but as it kept going, we were able to bring in a lot more revenue and charge a lot more. Got it. Um,
1: now let's fast forward. You had your spreadsheet with these different verticals that you potentially get acquired by By Fath was one of them. Um, Take us forward from there. How did you? I assume you had the existing relationship with Outreach. How did that come about?
0: Um, yeah. So we were talking to a couple different companies about this and uh, it was just starting conversations, and they were going fairly well. I mean, every, everybody was interested in the asset, and I think me and the team and stuff. But um, I went out to the Outreach Conference uh, last May and Manny had just raised a sixty-five million dollars Series D at a five hundred fifteen million dollars valuation, and I said to him, um, "You know, congrats on the round. What keeps you up at night?" And he said, "Marketing." So I said, "Oh, we, we know wow. something. That, you know, you can marry the best in best-in-class sales technology with um, you know the leading sales B two B sales media company, uh, and then I think you'd have a, a pretty good me, um, and so." It took us six to eight weeks to kind of figure out terms and then um, get everything finalized. And mm-hmm. uh, I started working there well before my my start date because you know I want to hit the ground running. Um, yeah, but it was it was it was fairly uh, simple. I knew our worth; they could afford it, um, and it just made a lot of sense. Did those
1: terms include the fact that? Outreach would not consume all of the
0: content into their own blog or flap outreach all over. They couldn't. They couldn't basically cannibalize it. So I would still manage Sales Hacker, um, and our and Manny was on the same page. Like he wasn't like, oh, we want to like cannibalize it or do anything with it. It was like, no, just keep it running. Um, our our goal was to be able to run Sales Hacker for growth and not for revenue. Um, so it took the burden off of me to have to focus on revenue initiatives and allow us to focus on just like the best possible content. Um, And so that's what we're doing right now. So I still oversee sales hacker and marketing for outreach. There's a GM for sales hacker and their team. We use separate marketing automation. We don't have a CRM for sales hacker because we don't sell anything like that. Um, So it's completely, I mean, walled garden. It's, Hard hard line between the two things. Since you
1: stopped um, really trying to drive revenue as sales hacker, presumably to pay people salaries and to make a
0: profit, have you seen significant or well, a higher amount of growth? Uh, we grew from eighty thousand to one hundred twenty five thousand subscribers in the eleven months since the acquisition. So, like that's it's grown a lot faster than before, but it's also made two million in profit. Since, so like we're still, it's still making money, and we're able to take yeah. that million and put that back into marketing initiatives for both outreach and sales hacker. Yeah. So don't nobody from nobody from outreach ever gets the leads from sales hacker. So if like somebody subscribes to sales hacker, no sales rep at outreach will be able to see that or tell that. Um, they're completely separate. But what we do sell is sponsored webinars and you know sponsored content type stuff. Actually, I think webinars and, and maybe ebooks are the only two left. Um, but if you're a sponsor, like you know if Gong or Chorus or whoever, comes and says, "Hey, we want to do a webinar," they get the leads from that webinar. So like yeah. Outreach does get a certain number of sponsored webinars, and we don't do anything for Outreach that we wouldn't do for another sponsor. So. Got it. Uh, we do co-sponsored surveys and reports and things like that with uh, a litany of other vendors. Sometimes outreach isn't even included. We just did a uh, um, an AE was it an AE survey or a state of sales survey or something like that. Outreach wasn't a sponsor on it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have uh, it, it runs completely separate. And where we get where we can get outreach involved, um, you know, we try to if it makes sense. But you know, the yeah. the key in the acquisition was to not do anything that would negatively affect the reader, viewer, listener, whatever experience. Um, just continue giving everybody really awesome content. And if it provides value to outreach, great. If not, that's not the point. This is my, almost
1: my whole thesis behind SaaS Hacker is that... You, and I've written about it a few times. Is you can grow media properties, I think, much faster by not having them directly associated with a brand not being a company blog. Um, so it's good to validate my thesis. Um, are there plans to change the way you run outreach and
0: sales hacker, or can you not share that, or is there not no plan? I mean, the sales hacker's only goal is to get to five hundred thousand subscribers, and we have goals on um, repeat uh, repeat sessions, so repeat visitors. Yeah, I don't know what the number was exactly, but um, you know, let's say our goal is like two hundred thousand repeat visitors a month. I think right now we're in like the 200,000s of visitors a month. So how do we make sure we get that number up to whatever it needs to be so that, you know, 40% of people come back to the site multiple times a week. We want to make sure that number is, you know, much higher than it is now. Cuz then that means we have loyalty and loyal subscribers and like a loyal community and and that's the key. Um, there's no future that I see in which um anything changes or tilts towards outreach. There's plenty of value that we're currently getting from owning sales hacker. I mean, do $2 million more in budget, but also there's, you know, the initiatives that outreach gets to be a part of um, and the connections and relationships that we get to leverage through yeah. that. There are, there are, sorry, I was about to curse. There are some pretty awesome um, perks that don't negatively affect the listener reader whatever experience um, that outreach gets to take part in i mean listen it's an it's an outreach brand and i'm part of both companies so if i invite a cro of a large company onto the sales hacker podcast and we put them in front of you know 12,000 people who download that episode and then i follow up you know with a thanks for being on the show and and build a relationship off that that turns into an outreach deal beautiful but like you know that's there's I work for both companies. I, you know, I'm selling best-in-class software that I truly believe is going to make their lives much better and their company much better. Um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I don't do anything on the on the front end of that to make that. You know, I don't. I don't say like you could only jump on this podcast if you use outreach. Like that's BS. I don't do any of that. Yeah. So is it a way for me to jump in and provide value for someone before I build a relationship with them? Yes, and what, can that relationship lead to us selling software for outreach? I freaking hope so. But that's not the, the goal of the point or whatever else. It's just it happens to be a really good jumping off point when you have a podcast that has 10,000, 12,000, whatever it is downloads um, per episode now. Whereas, you know, you, you look at other vendors who have their own podcasts. Yeah. Cool. You got a hundred downloads a week or whatever. Like it's going to take them years to catch up and lots of money to to try and catch up. Um, and, um, and, and unfortunately like people don't want to do vendor podcasts, but they'll do the sales hacker podcast or, um, you know, there's, so there's significant perks there for outreach. Um, and, you know, we don't ever need to change or cannibalize or do anything to the community, uh, so that everybody continues to get the same value that they're getting out of Sales Hacker right now. And I know that that's going up significantly based on our our traffic growth, our repeat traffic growth, um, and just the conversations that I hear. I mean, I heard like I'm in London right now, and I was with uh, Hacker One yesterday, and uh, one of their AEs was telling me that. Um, the VP put up on uh you know, on the presentation or whatever uh, page from sales hacker about, you know, referral selling and stuff like that. And was talking through like, Hey, you should go on this site, sales hacker. They got all this information on referral selling. You should use this in your deal cycle, whatever else. And like that, that is what I love. Like the fact that like, you know, it's halfway across the world somewhere in some office, some executive is looking at that and saying like, this is the modern textbook. Here's, you know, somebody who excels in this topic that's doing it in real life at a company and it's working. And you know, here's why you should be doing it too. Um, I think what
1: you guys have done with that acquisition is like absolutely it is a really, really good thing to do. And I hope that other people out there either consider building their own niche brands so they could potentially build or sell, or brands themselves consider going off and creating separate... like South companies themselves go off and create separate media businesses because I totally agree. I do think it's significantly easier to build attention when you're
0: your own separate brand. And you guys are like the living proof. I'll tell you what most people... The reason why most most people fail at building these things, whether it's a company or a person, you need a face. You need somebody who's just incredibly passionate about it and is going to moderate it and is going to drive it completely and it, and it needs a face and the, that face needs to be heavily engaged um, that's tough to do if you're a company and you're trying to build a community or, or a, a media you know brand and uh, you know the CEOs the face but they can't drive it and then you have somebody in marketing if they're not a big enough voice then they can't drive it so you know there's there are companies that do this fairly well like drift like they've got a, a very visible CEO who's great and you know, jumps in on the things he could jump in on. But the VP of marketing, Dave, has a really good voice too, and he's the face of it. And He drives a lot of the innovation and, and conversations. But most people don't have either of those two things, so that that's tough for companies. And then for individuals, um, you need supreme patience, and you need to just you know you stay on top of it and be the face of it. And you know, most people are going to want to take a second job and then like it kind of fizzles out or it's not moving fast enough or they're not getting paid enough or whatever it is. And um yeah, it's tough. And you need to be authentic. And um it's it's part of creating a category is creating a media company.
1: Got it. Um Max, I want to thank you so much for your time and for those insights. Um and I I'm looking forward to seeing sales hacker grow and hit the five hundred thousand subscribers separate to outreach. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. So you just heard my little training session from Max. I guess one of the reasons we bought him on was a little bit selfish. If there is a beautiful growth story, Sales Hacker, and it's obviously something we're looking to replicate slightly with SaaS Markter. So you just heard my mini training session there. And what I'm going to do now is share a little bit more about SaaS marketer. Now, SaaS marketer is obviously at a slightly earlier stage than sales hacker, uh, but we're definitely on on the trajectory. And so I'll share a little bit more about what the strategy is, uh, what's working, and then what our plans are for the future. And so the the, the history, as I explained in a previous episode, I was studying sales hacker, and I, I saw the growth, and I was just really kind of intrigued by it. As I thought it was a business that quite aligned with my personal skills, I built up quite a capability in both SaaS and in content marketing and I couldn't find any kind of individual media sites that I thought were that good in the SaaS marketing space. So I kind of jumped in, this was actually last year, where I started writing a daily email with just a short SaaS growth case study. And my initial goal there wasn't really to monetize initially, it was to build the audience and then work out how to monetize, whether that be through services or through software or through sponsorship. And this was going really well, the email list grew quite nicely. And I really saw the power of having a media asset that wasn't directly branded or connected to the monetization method, as I've explained before. Most SaaS companies or service companies will develop the product first, whether it's a software or it's a service, and then they'll tack on a media site onto the side, e.g. the blog or the podcast. And that's fine. It works. But as I started experimenting with kind of the media only asset, I saw that the growth wasn't like anything I'd really seen when having a company sponsored blog or podcast. And so the previous iteration of SaaS Marketer was actually a site called SaaS Hacker that I was working on as part of my, my last job. As I left the job, I spun out SaaS Marketer, which is now its own brand, completely owned by me. And right now, it's strategically, it's, it's the front end of everything that I'm doing, really. It's the content site that is generating all the attention. It's really an attention machine. It's just getting started that we're using to build this community and build this attention that we can then either sell to sponsors or monetize with our own services and software. And so the, the idea here is that CPCs, especially in the SaaS space, especially in the MarTech space, are going up. And at the same time, people are looking to split themselves into communities online. And both SaaS and MarTech are growing niches and more and more kind of salespeople and marketers are trying to get the attention of these people. And so that's the reason I see quite a big opportunity here of aggregating the attention of specifically software marketers, providing them with a community, also providing them with information that helps them improve their lives and grow their careers. And if you have that community and you have that attention, you can then monetize that in various different ways. So I'll quickly share first about how we have been generating that attention. So first, we have the two kind of core pieces of content. There's the case studies that you may be aware of. So every other Tuesday, we release either a case study or a podcast. And the case studies range between three to five thousand words. And they cover between nine and 15 growth levers, I call them, that kind of larger SaaS companies that have grown used to grow. And so that's just me, I like I don't outsource any of that. That's just me writing up those case studies based on either the information that I've able to, uh, I've been able to get from the business uh, if they speak to me or that I've been able to get from other materials on the internet. So it's quite a research heavy heavy post process where I go out, collect the information, and then write that up in the post. And so that goes out every other Tuesday. Then, of course, we have this delightful podcast that goes out on the other Tuesday. So both of these pieces of content include guests, right? They're including other people. So we can obviously build the relationship with those people, which can be great for future business relationships. Uh, But that also increases the likelihood that we'll get exposure from their audience because they are incentivized to share And then the case studies, obviously, really—they've been really, really popular. I get a lot of people saying how much they've helped. That they've been the best kind of B two B piece of content that people have read. And so, in terms of the traffic on the site and what that's generated, we only actually started publishing on this site in March, where we hit 2,000 sessions. In April, we then hit 4,000, and in May, we are on target to hit 6,000. And I'm, I'm kind of very confident that that will just keep growing. We, we have a big spike whenever we release a case study and a podcast. The, the podcast spikes are slightly lower. And I'm after every spike, the kind of residual traffic after that is growing. So that's a good sign. Email subscribers are currently 2,367 and will add a total of 500 new subscribers in May. So I'm pretty happy with that, with, with that growth rate. Where are we actually getting this traffic from? There's no kind of direct paid spend. There is a little bit of retargeting that I'll get back to in a second. But the traffic sources are just organic from Facebook and LinkedIn. So here's both myself and other people sharing the episodes. I do post in Facebook groups, and some of those posts have got quite a lot of attention. So there's a SAF Growth Hacks group where I'd post the insights from the case study without a link in the group. Uh, get people to engage, and then sometimes can put a link in the comments. The Growth Hackers site, they have a weekly email where they send the top five posts from that week. And so if you get in and you get, say, over 20 upvotes, you have a chance of getting into that email, which will send a little bit more traffic. There's Chart Mogul, actually, SAS Weekly Roundup, which does send a lot of traffic. And apparently, according to Ilya, we were the most clicked link when we got included with the ConvertKit case study recently. A lot of direct traffic which is really good to see that's traffic that you can't really track and that's actually the best kind of traffic because you know that that's coming from somewhere whether that's word of mouth or whether that's people just bookmarked to your your links and so that's really that's a real good sign to see the amount of direct traffic increasing there's another community called zest.is which is also sending quite a bit of traffic. There's a little bit of organic, but nothing nothing significant yet. It's relatively hard to get organic traffic when your site has only been kind of live and being published on for three months. As you're probably aware, the site design is quite heavily inspired by sales hacker, the structure and the design, though we have customized it slightly. And we had to completely rebuild that from scratch. And I guess you could say that we copied, which we kind of did, but we, we have redesigned and rebranded it. And we didn't copy and paste because it's not possible. Their, their WordPress theme is not public. So we had to build it completely from scratch. But I did want to kind of almost give a nod to them. Their SEO structure is really simple. And their site is extremely fast, much faster than ours. We need to work on that. And actually, a funny story, uh, get, Gaetano Denardi, the guy, the SEO whiz that Max just mentioned, actually reached out to me on LinkedIn to say, "Arthur, oh, so you're the guy that copied the, the Sales Hacker site. I just replied with a smiley face because I didn't really want to get into any beef. But yes, he is heavily inspired. Um, and I would like to thank Sales Hacker for that. So that's how we've been getting the attention with some stats. Now, how are we planning or how are we currently looking to monetize that attention now obviously if you you've heard on this podcast we have a sponsor so we're able to sponsor we're able to monetize the attention of this podcast through the sponsor there's also some some points on the site that you'll see document 360 as well a big shout out for them for being the first sponsor we're also kind of spot using bcast or bcast is also a sponsor you may see bcast linked uh you may also see bcast on our tools section we are spending a little bit of money on just testing, retargeting the visitors of the site into our podcast service and coaching funnel. So this is us either running podcasts for SaaS businesses or coaching uh, earlier stage, either marketers or founders on how to run this podcast partnership SEO process that we are running. And so that pushes the people that have been engaged uh, and are aware of our brand and also qualified because they're interested in growing their SaaS company Uh, down into a funnel that will educate and then I ultimately lead them to booking a call with myself where I can see if they're a fit and then we can bring them on to the service or the coaching. We also have, there's a number of email autoresponders based on where you opt in from that kind of bounce people around. That's a concept in email marketing where if someone opts in for the case studies, then I'm going to link them to the podcast. I'll link them to kind of add me on LinkedIn just to try and engage them into the community and then also direct them to the Facebook group, which is growing really nicely, by the way. We're we're adding about 10 new members per day in the SaaS marketer Facebook group, which is really, really great to see. And where you'd also bounce people to old posts to ensure that they've consumed all of the best content. And then ultimately, there, there is a sales email somewhere in there where I add testimonials for the service and then link for people to book in a, or apply to a strategy session with myself so I can see if they're a fit for either the podcast service or coaching. And then we also have a little bit of affiliate revenue. So you may see links in the content that say link to SEM SEMrush or, or other players that do kick back around 30 to 40% of commission. And so that is not a massive stream, but it will grow as the traffic grows. And so as we go forward, I am going to be looking to kind of grow each of those revenue streams, probably equally, to be honest. We're obviously pushing traffic through to Bcast, and we're going to keep doing that. We're obviously still looking to grow the podcast service. I am looking, or I, I would accept new sponsors if they're a fit, and then also, yeah, affiliate revenue is almost like a bonus because there's no marginal cost to delivering that. And so as traffic increases, it's worth just having affiliate links on the site in order to get that marginal increase in revenue. So in summary, it, it is a lot more work, I think, than just uploading a basic blog post onto your company blog each week. For example, I am recording this on a Sunday morning because Monday to Friday is Bcast and client work mostly and so you are left to, or I am left to create most of this content, not during the work week most of the time. And so it is more work, but actually I think we're, we're building a significant asset here. And so like Sales Hacker, we're building something that is independent from a business or is the business itself. And it right now is just about profitable on its own, depending on how you value my time and therefore could be sold as an independent asset or away from everything else. So just like Max did, I could go to, say, AHRS or Rush, any big player that sells software to SaaS marketers, and I could sell the site and then take a a cushy salary. So kind of like insurance, if the software or, or if the services don't end up working that well or they don't scale, and I do just want to go and get a salary and maybe a CMO or like a head of marketing role, then I could take SAS Marketer with me, right? And that would be quite good leverage and that would probably set me apart from other marketers. Also could be a little payout if they want to buy the asset as well and then take that cushy salary. Now that obviously is an option, but it's not something that I'm considering at the moment. And we are full steam ahead with growing the SaaS Marketer community into helping more and more SaaS Marketers, wherever they are in their career, kind of find connection, through the Facebook group, but then also improve their skills by learning about what we're doing here. And that's what I share on the podcast, but then also learning from what the best SaaS companies are doing. And that's what I do in the case studies. All right. And that is everything for today's episode. I hope you liked it. I hope you learned from Max, and I hope you also learned from my little monologue there at the end. So I want to say a massive thanks to you for listening if you are listening on a podcast listening app please scroll down rate review and then of course if you want to get every single one of these episodes first send a blank email to podcast at bcast.email that's podcast at bcast.email